In case of emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome, Ohana, to another fun filled episode of the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 49, recorded on February 24th, 2020. We are your hosts, Drew, Bob, Jordana, and Tim. And on tonight's episode, we take a look at some of the best attraction pre-shows on Walt Disney World property. And we're doing so using our patented top 10 list method featuring the spreadsheet of silliness. My personal favorite. Or as some would call it, the spreadsheet of doom. So come journey with us. As we show you why the magic before the rides may be better than their attractions themselves. And now we have a doozy for you guys. Let's head on over to BuzzTube. Hey, Gord! Gord! If I can just find... Gord! Oh, there you are. All right, guys. BuzzTube this week. We are excited. We, we, we rumored that we have a big announcement that's going to involve all of you guys, the listeners, and we need your help. So what we are doing, we are in the process. Actually, we're done. The, the process is done. But we have created what we are calling Disney Character Madness. And what Disney Character Madness truly is, is think of all those, you know, NCA basketball, March Madness brackets. But the Disney guys are putting our own little twist on it. We are here to kind of decide on who is the best Disney character of all time. And uh, it's all going to be about you guys. So unlike this silly episode of Spreadsheet of Silliness that we've decided the top ten, we're relying on you guys to help us decide on the best characters of all time. So it started with this, this crazy list. We had almost 300 Disney characters. The four of us kind of windled it down. We actually did uh, a, like a sports-style draft pick. Uh, we each picked our top 16. We did a snake draft. And um, now we have the bracket set, um, and we're ready to start voting. And this thing is going to be live uh, Tuesday, February 25th, and we're going to tell you all about how to vote and what to do. But before we do that, I think we need to break down the regions a little bit and hear from uh, my other co-hosts here tonight and see what this is all about. We want to get you guys excited because we're super excited. We did a lot of work into this. It came out really well. So we have the four different regions, like we said. And let's just go right after the first one here. The first region is what we're calling the Main Street region. And um, it's hosted by no other than Bob. Uh, Bob, how do you... Yeah, good to be here. Good to be here. Live on Main Street. Live Live on on Main Main Street. Street. How about that? Why Main Street, Bob? Uh, You know, uh, Tim, I believe, had the idea to name them after certain parts of the park and and different lands. And I think you'll see a developing theme with that uh, going forward. But for me, I don't know, Main Street always has a certain special place in my heart in terms of its theming and, and, and how fun it is. And, and I just really think Main Street doesn't get the love it deserves. 
Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't disagree there. So now you had, I believe, second pick, Bob? That is correct. So who is your favorite character that you picked? Maybe not necessarily who you think should win, but who is your favorite character of your sit team that you chose? Boy, I tell you, that's a tough question because they're all uh... – they're all chosen for a specific purpose, each, each and every one of them. Uh, but for me, I think my 14 seed, Br'er Rabbit, probably my favorite character in my regional. Um, but, but you know, I, I took him late. I, I don't know that he has the name recognition he needs to to advance in this tournament, but I'm excited for him, and I'm happy to have him on in, in the region. Um, I think we should note before we go any further, guys, the Fab Five chippendale they were all excluded from this mm, uh this is predominantly this is predominantly movie characters uh from the animated classics from snow white right up right up uh through moana no pixar characters um so, so it's it's strictly disney animated characters mm. and, and but i think you hit on something there a little bit too is is this was a lot of strategy people are like oh yeah you guys just keep up the list of characters no we we picked characters one that we thought would win from the popular vote and two we had to match them up against people that we thought we knew you know we could win so we almost tried to control essentially mm-hmm. who we wanted to advance but but yeah. speaking of that who do you think is your biggest potential of an upset from as far as the low seed beating the the high seed or reverse that um, it's not it's not a it's not a crazy upset here but i would say my 611 matchup uh does have rapunzel versus tamatoa rapunzel as the 6 tamatoa as the 11 i think tamatoa has a puncher's chance in that matchup i think he's a, a fresher property and if you get the right people voting i think tamatoa's got a real chance to advance to maybe the sweet 16 I, I could see potential there. Um, it's exciting. I'm excited to see what happens there. Now, your second question, last question here. Out mm-hmm. of all these matches, which one, because you're going to be voting too, I'm assuming, right? Which one will you Correct. have the hardest time voting, like, you know, picking a character? So so it's tough for me because I have three that I've been wrestling about since you told me you were going to ask this question earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the 8-9 matchup, Jafar versus Scar, is oh, yeah. a real tough one. Uh, but for me, and believe it or not, the, the hardest matchup for me right now in my heart of hearts is four versus 13. It's Maleficent as the four seed and Mr. Toad as the 13 seed. I, I don't know which way I'm going to go with that one. Uh, I, I think that's a great matchup of, of classic characters uh, and, and characters that have uh, a strong following. So I'll be interested to see how mm. that one breaks out. I, I'm interested in the whole regional, actually. I, I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope everybody gets out the vote here. Absolutely. But I wouldn't be surprised that that could be one of your biggest upsets. Yeah. Yep. You know, but um, all right. Well, thanks, Bob. Thanks for your breakdown there. Let's head on over to our Fantasyland region. Um, Tim, thanks. Welcome to the show here. And uh, what do you got here? How do you feel about Fantasyland here? What are you, what are you thinking? Um, I think I think I have the strongest draft overall, if I can speak wow. for myself. Um, oh. Yeah. And uh, my yeah, I, I think. I think I picked a wrong strong team. So so out, out of all your characters that you picked then, right? Let's let's say maybe not necessarily your strongest character to win, but who's your favorite character? I think my favorite character that I picked was my number five pick, Mulan. Uh, and I think she's pretty strong going into this, about to uh, have her live action remake, one of the 
the first PG-13 live-action remake, they're really going all out on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a strong pick. Absolutely. And who would you say has the biggest potential matchup for an upset? Uh, I think it would be number four, Cinderella, versus number 13, Pinocchio. I think there's a good chance that Pinocchio can upset Cinderella. Uh, I, I, I'd say that's a high chance, Tim. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that, that, that will happen. But, yeah, I should see that. Um, and the last one, you know, which one is the hardest one for you to vote on where you like both characters and, and you think it could be a toss-up go either way? Uh, I'm a huge Wreck-It Ralph fan. So uh, number three, Aladdin versus number three, Vanilla P. That's like a little hard one for me. I'll Ooh. probably end up voting Vanilla P, though, in the end. Yeah, I, I could see that. Like you said, you, had, you did a lot of people here. Um, I personally think your number two seed, Stitch, could almost take down this whole competition here and win this thing. But mm-hmm. time will tell. And it only matters if the people out there, the listeners, vote. Uh, but thanks, Tim. Thanks for the, the nice little breakdown there. Um, Next, we're going to move over to, to, to my region, um, Adventureland. And, Bob, why don't you try to guide me through this, through the question? Yeah, so I'm going to tell you, Drew, uh, w- when you were, were picking, and you had the first pick in this draft, mm. uh, I'll be honest, you, you surprised me a little bit with your first pick. Really? But, but what is your main well, what is your main takeaway in Adventureland? Because you're all over the place with some of these matchups. And, and there are some matchups that interest me greatly mm. in your in your region, so, so in your opinion, not necessarily who's your strongest character, but who's your favorite character in your regional? You know, it, it's funny when you say this as far as favorite character, right? Because I think, I think when I made my decisions, I definitely was thinking not with my heart and 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 thinking about who people truly like and want to vote on. Um, so, like you said, um, personally, my my favorite, I think I there there's two or three pits in there that I I, I kind of went with my favorites, but. Um, we all know how I feel about my number 13 scene, the Horns King from Black Cauldron. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I would say that is probably my favorite character on this this list here. Well, that's an interesting pick. He's got a hell of a first round matchup. And speaking of hell of first round matchups, what do you think the biggest potential for an upset coming out of Adventureland is in that region? Mm. You know, uh, I I think that, to be honest, and I'm not just saying this, I think a lot of my favorites will win if you look at my matchups. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick one, um, it just happened to be that Tiana is uh, the number five seed going up against the number 12 seed, Dr. Facilier. And, um, I mean, yeah, I think that, that's a tough matchup. And could it be an upset? I think it's going to be really close. I, I do. I think that's going to be a close one. Yeah. I agree with you. I actually look at your at, at your six eleven matchup as one of those sleeper type Maui versus Simba could be a lot of fun early on. I think you got new school versus old school there too. You have a really good uh, uh, a, a, a spread, if you will, of new school yep. versus old school characters. What, what do you think will be the hardest decision? in the Adventureland regional for you mm. well, or, or for, me, for the people in general. Yeah, so it's, it's tricky, right? So because for me, like I said, I love the horn King and he is going up to number four seed, the beast, which is an awesome matchup. And uh, it's tough for me because they're both great characters. And it's one of those, do I waste a vote on my horn cane when I know he probably isn't a go far, but I would say that the hardest decision, I think for myself and for the listeners are going to be is my number eight versus number nine seed. So very close. Mm-hmm. And I'm going Lumiere and Codsworth 
versus Flynn Rider. I think they're well, there's three really amazing characters, and you have an amazing duo, you have an amazing character here in an amazing movie. So uh, I think that's a tough one. Yeah, I I, I got to tell you, um, I it, Tim is very proud of his regional, um, and in fact, I'm looking forward to Adventureland versus Fantasyland in the final four. Because uh, I believe that is how the bracket shook out. So yep. let's head one more time around the horn over to the Tomorrowland Regional, Drew. Yes. So Jordana, thank you um, for for being here tonight. Welcome back to the show, as always. Okay. Now, right? Yes. Uh, so again, you had um, what you have? You had the third third pick. Um, I, did. I thought you were a little interested yes. here with your first round pick. You kind of um, you kind of shocked me. I don't know about Tim and Bub feel about this, but who was your number one pick? My number one pick was Bell. And so unlike you, how you went with what everybody else likes, I just hope everybody has my opinions, and I went with what I like. That's so a bold strategy. Bold strategy, Jordana. Yes, I'm, and I'm telling you, it's gonna work. So I went with that, and I picked. 16 of my favorite characters. So if we end up with like 10,000 votes all from the same email address, we know why. Um, well, I actually created 10,000 different <laughs> emails. Jordana <laughs> uh, 1, Jordana 2, Jordana yeah. 3. <laughs> um, for some reason, I ended up in Adventureland and <laughs> so the character around. Speaking of your favorites, then, what is Belle your favorite character in your whole bracket? Um, yeah, I mean... I honestly, I also really like my number seven pick. Hey, Hey, um, has always been, you know, I actually rewatched Moana this weekend and I was dying the whole time. Like I love, I mean, hey, but Hey, Hey's okay. Don't get me wrong. He has, he's funny. He's funny. But, but what kind of depth does Hey, Hey bring to the table? You throw him up really against deep. another sidekick, like, you know, like Mushu or Sebastian or Toddsworth and Lumiere. You think he can hold his own? Yeah. I do. For some reason, okay. So let's play that game for a second. What? Let's play that for a second. Let's assume Hey Hey defeats Pocahontas in the first round. (laughs) He's got a heavyweight battle. No matter who wins that other matchup in the two fifteen with Rafiki (laughs) or Jacques and Gus Gus, I don't see him getting out of the round of thirty two. Me either. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see that happening. But. But anyways, um, who do you think has the biggest potential for an upset? Um, I'm going to have to go with my number four and my number 13, Sebastian wow. versus Mad Hatter. Um, Mad Hatter yeah, Mad just, Hatter's got some love. Yeah, I mean, he's if you think of Alice in Wonderland, you think Mad Hatter or Alice pretty much, you know, or so like that. I think that would be my upset. Bold, bold. And then if you had to, so pick... if I may, I, I know we're not really giving our own opinions here in this, but I got to tell you something, folks. Of all the one seeds in this tournament, there's four one seeds. I think legitimately, Jordanes is in trouble in round one. I think that'll be the closest one sixteen matchup we have. How Judy Hops slipped to the sixty third pick in this draft, I have no idea. But I, I firmly believe I was Judy a little Hops nervous about that gives too, but Bell I have picked. a run for her money. I couldn't yeah. let her go. I couldn't let her go. <laughs> um, and then the last question. Um, out of all your your, your different matches, um, what's the hardest one for you to, to decide on? 
Um, for me, I think it was it's going to be my number eight versus my number nine, uh, Max versus Thumper. And just because they're both like really lovable characters, you, it's it's hard to pick between the two. Well, of who's four. I'm calling it now. I think Baymax wins that like 92% to eight. Oof. That's because it's new school versus wicked old school, though. Yeah, and I'm going to stand by higher than 92 eight. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I don't know. I think for me personally, it's a tough pick. I'm surprised Baymax lasted that long. He's a lovable character. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so so that's how our regions are. We're super excited. If you guys want to see all the matchups, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit now how to do that, but definitely encourage it. So starting um, Tuesday, uh, February 25th, this is all live, and it's going to be uh, everywhere that we are, you can um, you can vote, right? So like we've been talking about, we have been all over social media lately, so there's a few ways to vote, right? So both Instagram and Twitter, um, we have these amazing battle cards that we're calling and we put together. Uh, that was a pretty much graphics of the characters facing off against each other where you can vote on one. So on Instagram or Twitter, um, Jordan, how, how exactly will that be able to work? Will they be able to comment on it or? So for Instagram, I'm going to do um, stories and I'm also going to do comments. So if you go through the stories, you can click the poll, uh, which one you would rather do or which character you pick. And then I'm also going to post them throughout the timeline um, to pick and then with twitter we're gonna have polls going uh with the tweets so just head over to our twitter page and i'm going to pin the pin the um polls up to the top of the page so you'll be able to see them Perfect. And if you guys don't know what our Twitter or Instagram feed are, you can find them right in our show notes um, on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast, too. So make sure you check that out. Uh, the other two things we want you to check out is the next one is we're going to be posting all over Facebook and everywhere is, is two things, really. We have uh, an amazing bracket that has um, all the characters laid out on it. Um, you can see all the matchups and if who wins, who would they would, would go off against for the next round. And once the round is complete, we will update that to show who moved on. And we'll actually also put the percentages um, in there so you can see how much somebody won by. Uh, now, also on those brackets, you're going to have clickable links to all the ways to vote. And we'll post that on Facebook um, and, and even on Instagram and Twitter as well. Now, the third thing I want to talk about, I'm going to actually let Tim talk about here, because as we've been talking about it, we um, we're super excited to kind of introduce to you guys for the first time our presence in the YouTube world. So, Tim, why don't you tell us all about YouTube? Yeah, so uh, I think Drew has alluded to this last week, definitely this week. We have big plans for YouTube. Um, when this episode is live, uh, Drew and I worked on a really cool short video to get you uh, hyped up about uh, this Disney character madness tournament. And uh, we just have a lot of stuff we want to do on YouTube, but we can't do anything like anything else with this show uh, without the help of you guys, the listeners. Um, so on the YouTube every week, I'm going to be posting the audio version of the podcast just to give another platform to uh, listen to the show on a, a really easy platform to share the show with people that you want you think would enjoy it. Uh, rather than them having to go find it in their podcast app, they might not even know what a podcast is. You can just shoot them a link to the, the YouTube video. Uh, we're going to put highlights. Uh, we're going to break out helpful sections on planning and tips so you can share those with people uh, who might be planning a Disney trip. You know, 
give them the planning episodes, the listener questions, uh, you know, or anything like that. But really the threshold we need to reach for YouTube is we need to get to 100 subscribers as fast as possible. Uh, that's the point where YouTube will let you uh, change the URL of your YouTube page. Because right now it's YouTube slash and then a long string of numbers that's, you know, the only way we're going to get to our YouTube page is by searching for it in YouTube or, you know, copy and paste that link. Uh, once we get to that 100 subscriber threshold, we can apply to have it changed to, you know, YouTube.com slash the Disney guys or whatever. So we want to get to that 100 subscribers as fast as possible. So even if you listen to it on iTunes or Spotify or whatever your preferred podcast platform is, just go ahead, give that YouTube a subscribe. Um you don't have to listen to the podcast on there. You can check out the cool video stuff, the the highlights, that sort of stuff that we're going to throw up there outside the podcast. But we really just want to get that YouTube as big as possible, as quickly as possible. And we need your help, Ohana fan, to do that. Absolutely. I agree, Tim. Thank you. And like I said, Tim and I are super excited. We, we really had fun this weekend with the video that we made. And um, I, I look forward to doing a lot more. And I think Tim and I have a lot of other ideas that we can bring to the table. And I think the goal of YouTube, aside from the episodes, are is, is to do a lot more little short video content with you. And we get your times valuable. So we'll try to do a lot of short videos as well to keep them fun, entertaining, and engaging. Um, but the last thing I want to touch on with this Disney character madness or the DCM, which we want to call with that is my personal favorite way to vote um so it's not the least by any means is what we're calling it, it it's a google poll vote and it's a link that we're going to be sharing again on facebook we'll be sharing it in the show notes we'll be sharing it everywhere and all you need to do is click that you can do it on your cell phone you can do it on a computer um you can do it on a tablet whatever you want uh maybe your your, your apple watch who knows but uh probably not it's as simple as all the, the battle card pictures are there, and you can just go through it really quick, and you just click a radio button on who you want to vote for. You probably can do the whole thing in five minutes. So, um, again, we need your help, the listeners, to go vote, 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 because it's going to be super fun and super exciting to see who is crowned the best Disney character um, of all time. So, with that being said, we're super excited for that. It kicks off tomorrow, and we'll be giving you weekly updates on— it kicks um, off today, Drew. It kicks off today. That's right. Because when you guys listen to this, it will be today. Absolutely. Uh, so make sure you, you go vote, and we'll be updating you guys with all of the, the losers and winners on the episodes moving forward. So with that being said, that's going to wrap up BuzzTube. Remember, vote and subscribe to YouTube. Because at the end of the day, know. it's you guys, Ohana, who are choosing the best Disney animated character of all time. Absolutely. So let's head on over to the Disney News Desk. Yes, everybody, we're at the Disney News Desk, and we have a lot of news coming out of our favorite vacation destination. Let's start it off with everybody's favorite topic, the Disney Dining Plan. Is Disney this week announced an addition to the Disney Plan, the, the Dining Plan lineup called the Disney Dining Plan Plus. <laughs> so, ultimately, what this means is you'll get two meals day that can be used in combination of either table service, quick service, or character dining, any combination. Uh, currently, right now, with a lot of the dining plan packages, you get a table service, a quick service, uh, etc. You'll be getting two meals a day. You will also be getting two snacks per night, one refillable mug, which might still be the best value in entertainment, 
And at each meal, unlimited refills of fountain sodas, single-service teas, and brewed coffee, or one specialty non-alcoholic beverage, or for guests over 21, with valid ID, one beer, wine, or cocktail. The main thing with this is this has to be made with a resort hotel package. So that is the kicker for this. And, uh, you know, I don't know. When we get more information, we'll pass it along. Pricing not available at press time. Also, Cinderella Castle will be undergoing a minor, some would say major, refreshing this summer. Uh, Instead of doing a massive reimagining for Cinderella Castle for the 50th anniversary, the latest update will be kind of subtle. Uh, It'll be getting... The icon will be getting gold trim enhancements on windows and turrets, as well as over its classic archway. In addition... The blue turret tops will be getting a fresh coat of paint, and the upper two-thirds of the castle will be getting a bit of pinkish tint as well. This update, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of our co-hosts, is much closer in aesthetic to Sleeping Beauty Castle in Disneyland. Disney also confirmed this week that the will, it will have a minimal impact on castle shows, and allegedly no full scrims around the castle are planned at this time. In some other food news, the Regal Eagle Smokehouse, Craft Drafts, and Barbecue at Epcot's American Adventure Pavilion finally opened this week. Still no update on Space 220. Spring Street Tacos food truck on the west side at Disney Springs is now closed. Didn't even know it existed. And fair not, a new hot dog food truck concept will be the replacement coming soon. In a bit of fortuitous synergy from last week, it was announced that Mariachi Cobre presents the story of Coco will in fact return to the Mexico Pavilion on March 4th, 2020 for the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. This show will run five days a week until the end of the festival on June 1st of 2020. For those of you headed to Villains After Hours this spring, the Diamond Horseshoe Saloon will be offering a new lounge experience where party guests will be able to enjoy tasty villainous treats and an assortment of specialty beverages including wine, beer, and cocktails. As with other treats at the event, ice cream novelties, popcorn, and select bottled beverages are included with your event admission. The other sinfully delicious delicious villain-themed food and beverage offerings are available for purchase, so be prepared to pay out of pocket for this new lounge experience. According to a leak from the UK ticket broker Florida Ticks, we have the dates for Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, and the party will run one extra night compared to last year. It will run on select nights from August 13th through November 1st. We expect tickets to go on sale very soon, perhaps as early as next week. A reminder that Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opens on March 4th and Fast Passes are flying, which means to me, you can get a Fast Pass now for either Slinky Dog or Smuggler's Run. Also, the newly imagined, reimagined Mickey's Shorts Theater will also debut on March 4th and will feature one-of-a-kind animated shorts. The theater will also feature several photo ops from past shorts. A selection of new and returning experiences that offer memorable fun for guests of all ages are set to bloom at Walt Disney World Resort Hotels this spring. The Chocolate Workshop, presented by the Ganacherie, will be taking place over at the Riviera Resort. 
This uh, specialty chocolate shop located in Disney Springs will be sending over chocolatiers to demonstrate how a ganache is made and for guests to create their very own chocolate truffle pops. Starting in March, the workshops will take place on Sundays at 11 a.m. at Disney's Riviera Resort. Classes are $60 per person plus tax. Back by popular demand, the Mermaid School at Walt Disney Resort Hotels give guests ages four and older the chance to live out their mermaid dreams by participating in fun pool activities while wearing a swimmable tail just like Ariel. At the end of the experience, guests will now re- guests will receive a unique medallion to commemorate their time under the sea. Mermaid School will be back in session on select dates starting March 1st with classes offered in multiple locations, including Art of Animation, the Caribbean Beach, Yachten Beach Club, All-Star Music, the Polynesian Village, and Riviera Resort. Classes are $55 per person. Over at Fort Wilderness, they're offering Crockett's Craft Corner, some alliteration for you folks out there. Guests can let out their inner artist at Crockett's Craft Corner by brushing and painting for two hours a wooden board. That's right. We're inviting guests ages eight and up to design and paint and take home their very own rustic wooden sign, all for the small price of $75 a person. You will, however, be served complimentary assortment of light food and beverages from Trails End Restaurant. Andrew's favorite topic is back. Walt Disney World Resort Fun Runs are making their return this spring. These experiences offer scenic views of Walt Disney World with courses ranging from 1.2 to 1.8 miles at the following resorts. Coronado Springs, the Riviera, Caribbean Beach, uh, Port Orleans French Quarter, Saratoga Springs, Yacht and Beach Club, the Boardwalk, Old Key West, and the All-Star Resorts. Uh, If you've heard heard us talk about anything regarding resorts, New Balance does sponsor quite a few different running trails and that's kind of what these are going to be the total cost is a small 15 dollars plus tax it includes a custom bib finisher's prize and a selection of snacks children under two are free and strollers are welcome finally for these new experiences captain hook's pirate crew at disney's beach club resort is back Uh, this immersive group experience invites kids ages 4 to 12 to go on an epic adventure with Captain Hook and his crew as they search for hidden treasure and doubloons. Set sail for a short jaunt around Crescent Lake and enjoy a delicious pirate feast. Captain Hook's pirate crew is the perfect way for kids to make lasting memories in a safe and fun environment as parents enjoy their time on their own, such as an evening at the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. The cost of this experience is $55 per child, now through May 31st. Annual pass holders are eligible for a 10% discount. Disney Vacation Club members are also eligible for a 10% discount, but with no end date to the discount at this time. And finally, in our last bit of news tonight, the marketplace at Disney Springs has always been the go-to destination for personalized Disney merchandise. Now the Disney Parks merchandise team has continued to evolve the D-Tech on-demand experience and is now offering MADE, a new and expanded way to customize and create your own Disney merchandise. With MADE, you'll now be able to create customized apparel, including short and long-sleeve t-shirts, 
even with Disney Spring Designs, from a library of Disney art to celebrate everything from family vacations, birthdays, seasonal holidays, and more. But don't worry, you'll still be able to customize those phone cases, magic bands, magnets, and believe it or not, commemorative bricks as well. Guests will start to see this new brand transition at current DTEC on-demand locations located inside various retail stores including Tomorrowland Light and Power Company, the Frontierland Trading Post and Curtain Call Collectibles in Magic Kingdom, Star Wars Launch Bay and Celebrity 5 and 10 at Disney's Hollywood Studios, at the Co-op at Disney Springs and for some reason at the NBA Experience, and over on the West Coast at Star Wars Launch Bay and Star Traders, and at this time, the customized apparel options are only available exclusively at Tomorrowland Light and Power and the Marketplace Co-op with those other locations coming on next. So here we are, everybody. It is the topic of the week. You've made it. Congratulations. Tonight, we are going to give you the Disney Guys Uncensored Top 10 Pre-Shows. Um, so what is a pre-show? That's the question we get asked the most. What do we consider pre-shows? Is it the ride queue? Is it the dispatch station? Is it a show before a show? And the answer to that question isn't yes or no or even maybe. A pre-show to us, I, I think, means a way to set the table or to give a small morsel of what's to come. The Disney Imagineers are the kings and queens of developing pre-shows. In fact, you might just agree that sometimes the pre-show is more fun, or at least as fun as the attractions themselves. So this isn't a line queue top 10, but a pre-show top 10 where we definitively rank the 10 best in Walt Disney World. Because we believe the best attractions at Disney World include great introductions to the story. And with any top 10 list, we have the spreadsheet of silliness with a ridiculous aggregate scoring system. So this time, our convoluted system included the four of us voting on a scale of 1 to 20, with 20 points awarded for first place, and one point awarded for 20th, and pretty much every nomination in between, resulting in a 240-point total for each of these pre-shows. The three categories that we ranked were theming, story advancement, and overall enjoyability, one minor note before we do get rolling with this top 10, we will not be including Galaxy's Edge attractions in this edition on account of Jordana's the only one that could have fairly ranked them, and we don't really want to spoil any of the fun either. Please keep in mind we will not be doing any extinct attractions. Doesn't mean we won't be doing extinct pre-shows for existing attractions, or I think you'll understand what I'm saying about that in a second, but enough from me. Let's get right to the countdown. I mean, can we just can we just pause for a minute and just well done, Bob. Well, well done. Take a breather. Take <laughs> Great a job, pass. Bob. Take a <laughs> but no, all honestly, um, great news stuff. Um, great introduction to our top ten here. So uh, yeah, I'm super excited to get into this top ten. The pre-shows are amazing, epic. I 100% agree with you. Um, it sets the stage for amazing rides. So let's start. And I'm going to start off the, the top 10 with number 10 itself, the Kilimanjaro Safari. Um, you know, people are saying, wait a minute, am I, is, is, that the, is that like the video from 1990 that, that we're looking at when, when we're in line? Yeah, yep, it is. That is Warden Wilson who introduces you to Harambe Village Reserve, right? So the video talks about, um, you know, that 
Africa as a whole had to, you know, was was really created this reserve due to the increase in human population, which started expanding and, and killing off this um, a lot of the animals in their habitat, right? So that that's kind of sets the stage, and the video does actually a lot of good jobs at showing like um, you know the current stage of Africa, and and it shows kind of the city, and it kind of shows the expansion and them you know destroying these these animals' habitat. So it tells that story, but then it gets into saying about how the you know the biggest danger isn't the expansion of society, it's poaching, right? So. It, it goes into how poachers kill, and, and it shows some graphic images, some sad images, and some sad videos. And uh, Warden Wilson's just not happy there. So he kind of sets the stage in the video where we have a mission as the guest. We're going on the safari, and our mission is to help uh, the reserve keep an eye out and, and, and look for poachers. And when you see them, you're supposed to kind of... You know, let everybody know. Now, since that happened, the ride has kind of translated out of that storytelling, but it's still relative. It's still there. It still tells that story of, of poaching and, and the reserve itself. And the, the end of the video kind of just, you know, leaves you with a heartfelt quote that I wanted to say. The Warden Wilson kind of leaves the, the guest with it says, what you see with your eyes, you should value with your heart. And uh, kind of a touching little moment there. So I I think it's a great I think it deserves to be in the top ten. It, it's not maybe the biggest produced you know pre-show video, but I think what the story tells and how it it, it brings you into the ride a little bit is phenomenal. Um, what's what's your guys' take on it? I think that this does a really good job of showing what Disney does with pre-shows, where they don't just make a ride. Every ride has to tell a story. So while this having a safari with live animals that takes up more space than the entire Magic Kingdom, um, this pre-show is just a simple little way to have that already amazing experience be a story that you are now part of. You are going on this safari in this wildlife reserve to look out for poachers that have been poaching the animals that are in this protected area. I, I agree. Um, Jordana, do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd say is, like, is some people might look at the video and go, like, wow, this is so outdated. But if you really sit there and you really watch it, it's amazing. And mm-hmm. it's something that I really hope that they never redo and that they keep it as is. Because I think it's so, I don't know, it's, it's just, a, it's a good pre-show. It really is. Great. Bobby, you got any, any voice left in you? Yeah, so I think the problem I had when we did this top 10 is I had a tendency to fall in love with the attractions all over again. And that's really not what we tried to do. Mm-hmm. So if you take away the safari attraction itself and you take away the the post ride the ride itself and you just look at that video like jordana said and like you both uh, tim and andrew you both said that video itself would probably fit anywhere in harambe village as as Mm -hmm. background video to what they're doing and i think that's really the sign of a great pre-show that you could take it out of where it is and it would make sense in, in the larger portion of the area that, that, that attraction is in. And this pre-show 
more than most, honestly, does a great job in, in storytelling and, and kind of setting the table, But like we talked about earlier, about setting the table for the attraction. And it's low-key. It's not anything that bashes you over the head, and it's kind of just there. It is what it is. Uh, so I, I really think that the, the overall arching story development here is what really made this a top 10 pre-show for me anyway. So I, yeah, I, I think this I is right where it should be. And you're right. Uh, but what you see with your eyes, you should value with your heart is just such a great quote uh, for everyday life, not just here, but yeah, really yeah. In, in general. Sounds like it could be a Phil Collins song, Bob, if you ask me. But oh, I, I think I think you hit something on that there, though, where if, if you pulled this video out of the attraction, slapped it into commercial, put some Sarah McLaughlin music in it, I I feel like I'm a sucker. <laughs> I, I would say that that's real. I want to donate money to the Hombre Village yep. Reserve. Where do exactly. I sign up? So I, that, but yep. that's that's saying something, right? If you know, you can't do that with every pre-show attraction. Um, but that that's the Kilimanjaro Safari, and and the the, the amazing story it tells. So let's move on over to number nine. All right, number nine, we got Test Track. Uh, now Test Track has obviously there's been two versions of it. Uh, Test Track 1.0 was heavily themed to being a. Uh, General Motors uh, vehicle test facility. Uh, the pre-show for that was a movie. Uh, it was kind of dry. Uh, you kind of w- walked into uh, the control room for the test track. They noticed you, uh, explained what tests they were going to do, explained that all cars go through these tests, and uh, then you you filed and you got on the vehicles. Um, the current test track pre-show, uh, which I think is much cooler, um, Test track is now a little bit more abstract, almost like a Tron-like vibe to it. And uh, the pre-show is not a traditional pre-show. Uh, you you go into the room where that movie used to show, and instead there's rows and rows of consoles. Uh, it's usually two to a console, unless you're a single rider, and you tap your, your park ticket card or your magic band, and you get to uh, design the best possible car um, that you can using things like efficiency, speed, power, uh, and uh, it's really complete, um, like almost like a computer game. Uh, and uh, then you you tap tap your magic band again, and you get to tap it when you're in the ride vehicle. And then your car uh, kind of represents what the the car you've designed. And at the end of each test, it, it ranks them according to uh, the parameters you set in the the pre-show room. And then at the end of the ride, it it tells you who designed the best car, uh, so it kind of makes almost a competition element to to this fixed uh, thrill ride. Yeah, you know, absolutely, and and it's funny because I think if you look at, I, I'm actually not a big fan of the of the new test track at all, pre-show ride, whatever. But if if you look at the original one, right, with the General Motors, um, Bill, whatever the hell his name was, it 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 actually sucks, but. But what it does is it tells the story of, of you being the crash dummy. And what it does is it kind of gets me excited and hyped at, at the end of the video, right? Where he starts, he's talking to uh, the, the operator woman who's kind of at the desk, you know, setting up your, your course, let's say she, it's like, put them through, you know, sequence seven. And she's like, Oh, 
Sea Torrent 7, technical erosion. Like, it's kind of like, ooh, like, what does that mean? And then, like, oh, we're going to test you for speed. And it's just like, I'm, it, it's kind of getting me excited about the ride now because it's like, it's giving you that sh- just a tiny little bit of a tease of what you're in for, but you don't fully understand it yet. Uh, so I, I I loved the 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 original concept of it, um, but at the the video itself I think it was lackluster, production wise. Yes, you can look at it that way. But what what it does to get you ready for it is it, I thought was awesome. I just think they couldn't have kept that old pre-show forever since the ride is um, to promote uh, General Motors cars. So. Already, by the time it was new, they were showing late 90s GMs, and then you get to the end of the ride, and they have the showroom of all the current models GM offers. So it, it, it's kind of a weird thing, and a company paying all that money to run the ride is not going to want to uh, have very, very old versions of their cars, supposedly, in this cutting-edge facility. Yeah, I, I mean, I get I it. Bob, you have anything to add? I think you what you have is a tale of two Epcots. I, mean, I, I think that's what the that's what that that's what the issue is here well, is that there. you have an Epcot with the way Test Track used to be was very in line with how Epcot was at the time. It was much more and and it's not saying that the the current mod isn't interactive in a way. It's significantly more interactive, like Tim had said. But the test track uh, 1.0, as it were, that was GM and less and less Chevy. I, I don't think Chevy is the the technically the title sponsor now. Was was a relic of its time. I loved it for its catchiness. I thought it it it. Uh, I've always been a fan of of test tracks pre-show, and in fact, it goes to a bigger story of the queue itself. I thought walking through the whole facility. I felt like the whole pavilion was a pre-show before you got to the attraction. I just really enjoyed the original test track for what it was. And Tim's absolutely right. It was never going to sustain itself. It was almost instantly dated. Uh, so, but, but ultimately a, a very fine show. Uh, even now with the designing of the car, I think it does intertwine with the attraction enough where it actually does a really nice job uh, from a theming standpoint, from an enjoyability standpoint, uh, you know, beating your brother or your sister or your wife or, or your son or, or you let your son design the car and he designs a monster truck, you know, it's out of control. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, very interactive. So I, I think that's the way we're going now with a lot of Epcot stuff. It, it's interactivity and less edutainment, I think would be the uh, takeaway. I definitely have to agree with you where the new, the I guess the new test track is more interactive and it's part of the attraction. So it's not even like the pre-show, it's actually part of the show. Um, but, and like, I like seeing, I like to build the car and seeing how it goes against everybody else's cars um, where they're kind of giving you the grading at the, the during and at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I don't know. I thought I thought that they they tried to keep up with and they tried to make it a little bit more interactive and more for kids, I guess, too, you know? Yeah. No, I mean I get it. Just not my cup of tea. But anyways, let's uh let's keep let's keep the Which is over. odd for a guy that likes video games as much as you do. That's true. I Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I 
doesn't do it for me. I miss, right. I miss you know, the old school. We, we all like Test Track. It's the number nine pre-show on the list, whether you're a fan of the original or you're a fan of the new one. I'm excited to talk number eight. Jordana, where are we going? So number eight is Mission Space. Um, so this is one, and I laughed about it literally the last couple of days because I'm, I'm watching the videos and I'm still feeling que- queasy from the last time I wrote it. Um, <laughs> so this is a ride where it's um, you walk in and you're a new astronaut and you're in training to either go on a mission to Mars, which is the orange line, or you're going to be going on an Earth mission, which is the green line. That's like the less intense one. That's the one Jordana should have gone on. Um, before you board, um, you'll train for your mission on the X2 Deep Space Shuttle at the International Space Training Center. Each member of the crew, so like it, it explains, here's where it's explaining what you're doing. Um, in each member of the crew, you have a deck crew, which is a navigator pilot, commander, or engineer, and everybody kind of has a little job to do. So it's explaining, um, you know, where you're going to be and how important your job is on the mission. Um, I think overall they did a really great job of, you know, making this seem before the ride, making it seem like how important it is during the ride and making people really like hyped up to get on the ride and, and to do their job and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think overall theming was you walk in and you're in a space station, uh, storylines, great and enjoy enjoyability. Um, I think so, it, like I said, that hypes people up. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think, I think it's twofold, right? Because I, I want to say one, the mission space pre-show video production wise has to be one of like the top produced productions it's it's pretty solid right yeah um the the problem with the mission space pre-show video for me is and and i get it i truly do it's a very safety oriented video because of what you're about to go do and 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 just as an astronaut in general it's it's very safety oriented which fits the theme I, i i do get that um and i get there's not a huge story to tell but um no, it, it, it's solid. I think it, I think it, it, it is where it deserves to be. Um, I don't know. I just wish I would like to see a little bit more interaction in in the in the pre-show. I get the ride; it's very interactive, but the pre-show itself, I feel like it's it's a very a safety-oriented video. Like like I and I get it. You're learning to be an astronaut, but I don't the know. Other, the other thing this video has to do, and this is the first one on our list that does this, is this ride requires uh, input from the riders. And it has to explain how to go about those inputs. So that, that I think, is the other Correct. reason it might be kind of dry. And it does the best job it can to make it seem cool. But it has to give safety and also the, the interactive portion. It has to explain the roles, right? Like, like, like Jordana said, like, yeah, I, 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 I see your point, Tim. That's a valid point. Right. Bob, how, how do you feel? Because I know this is one of one of your favorite rides, period. It is one of my favorite rides, and it's it's outside of the top three we're going to get to later, or at least two of those top three. I will tell you that I, I consider this to be the benchmark for pre-shows, and I think the most important thing with a pre-show is you advance a story, which this does. It you know when you hear the words "go for launch." You might want to hang on, as Gary Sinise has told me many times. It's not Gary Sinise anymore. But the whole idea that you're in Capcom 
and they're explaining to you about the, the various trainings that astronauts undergo. I've always been a sucker for space and astronauts in general, so I've always been fascinated by the study of it. I, I just, again, it's very hard to differentiate Q from pre-show. Because the queue itself, again, is one of those where you have the gravity wheel there that's that's right when you walk in the main building. And then you go through the hallway where they have the, 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 the setup of CENTCOM right there and control rooms. And then you go in to, to the briefing room. And, and I got to tell you, just the way it breaks down from, from section to section to section, I, I really feel Mission Space does a dynamite job of that. And, and you're right, it, it does need to be a, a safety spiel more than, more than most. Um, this ride habitually has had problems, as Jordana uh, kind of alluded to, with, with um, it's the first attraction to ever have a vomit bag, uh, for instance. <laughs> so it, it's one of those that they need to have safety warnings, and you kind of need to understand that this is a, a physically demanding attraction. Which And I don't want to scare people, because the pre-show does a really nice job of explaining it. And I will tell you that I've done both the... the the Earth mission and the Mars mission. I I am Team Orange all the way. I, I love it. But both pre-shows that they explain to you, like we've all said, you know, that the, the navigator, the pilot, the commander, the engineer, your jobs, um, and just I I think it's well done. I, I think I, I have a bit of nostalgic love for mission space in general. So it's one of those things that I look at, and and it's one of those first attractions maybe that and test track were like the first two attractions that were quote unquote my youth or my vintage Epcot. So I think I'm easier on them in scoring with mission space and test track for, for when those rides opened, I was probably 15 or 60. So they were geared towards me. They were thrill rides. So I think that's a, a, a lot of my giving them passes for being as uh, dry or educational as they might be. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, all right, let's let's move on to uh, number seven there, Tim. All right, dinosaur. So uh, this is this is the first pre-show where when I was looking it up to do research for the episode, you type dinosaur space and pre-show auto completes in YouTube because this is the first pre-show that really has <laughs> a big following. Um, and no safety stuff here, no interactivity. It is just telling you. The story of the ride and telling you real quick to buckle up your seatbelt about halfway through. So it starts out uh, the queue to dinosaur. You're kind of walking through a museum or the, the exhibit part of a, a dinosaur study institute. It starts out with the director of that facility telling you about the the, the facility and that you just walked through this, the old section. And now you're to where you're going to go back in time to dinosaur and then – Everybody's favorite pre-show character, Dr. Seeker, takes over <laughs> and uh, explains how we're not going to do what the director said. We're going to go back right before the meteor hits and uh, rescue an iguanodon to bring back to study in the present day. He gets caught halfway through by the director uh, using some very poor subterfuge. Uh, he gets her to leave again and, uh, you know, finishes briefing us on our mission to rescue this iguanodon. And uh, sends us on our way in the time rover. Yeah, 
the dinosaur is does an amazing job, right? They do an amazing job at at theme, um, telling the story and putting the the humor into it, right, and making it funny and laughable. The and I love dinosaurs, but but what but what I really think makes them number seven and not a top three in my eyes is you're in a box, you're in just a padded room where. I want to feel like I'm I'm in that laboratory. And when you open the doors to start the attraction, you do. But I wish they brought that into the pre-show. Um, you literally walk into a padded square room with a black TV on, and then the TV comes on and you watch it. I, I, I just wish it was so much more than that, and I think it could have literally been in the top three. But that, oh, yeah, that's, again, sure. how I feel. For sure. Jordana or Bob? No, I agree with you. Um I love Dinosaur. I love the ride. And I think the pre-show is also great. And um, it is funny. Um, it's, I don't know. I think the whole ride, not that it's like outdated, but um, could use a little bit of updates, but stop I haven't, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's my opinion, but um, no, like I do love the ride. And I think, like you said, I think it, it, there could be a little bit of enhancements to make it a top three ride theming bub bub <laughs> well, i don't disagree with what jordana said i i i love the video i dr seeker hello there with the dinosaur puppet and when he's explaining about how the flash affects the homing signal there's a lot of quality one-liners and 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 interaction in there and Whoa, come on, you'll be out of there before the asteroid breaks the atmosphere. Like, you know damn well that's not going to happen. And, and I I agree with Jordana. It, it's it's a little bit kitschy, similar. And again, if Tim's going to argue the point of Test Track feeling a little outdated in its old sense and they brought it new, I think Dinosaur could use a little bit of something. And you're talking about a guy, I love the pre-show. And again, I don't know if you take that pre-show out into Dino Land USA, it makes any sense, but in the context of Dinosaur. And for that, I will tell you, it advances the story perhaps better than any other pre-show on this list. I will say that. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I agree. I think I think we all are kind of on the same page with that. Uh, uh, but uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's campy and it's a classic. But all right. Let's move on to number six on this top ten list. And all I need to say is, hello, humans. So, if I'm talking about Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, or we like to call on the Disney Nights Uncensored, Bob, what acronym is? <laughs> we call it MILF. We do. We call it MILF for Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. So, family-friendly show. Not really. Anyways. Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, you're saying, number six. Come on. No, I'm telling you. I'm talking about the time when, I mean, there's like four different stages of the line queue, so it's hard to describe it. But it's not that first room. As you go into the doors, you're standing on the ramp going down, and there's TVs around. You have all the posters, and you're standing there for what feels like forever. And then the the, 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 the movie comes on, the, the TVs, right? So first thing off the bat that I'm going to say is it is already interactive to the point where you have the phone number scrolling on the screen that they want you to text the joke that they're going to read out loud um, in the actual attraction. So right there, interactivity, awesome. They're getting you involved right off the bat. 
Love it. Um, the actual video is kind of broken down into three sections. First one, Mike Wazowski's on the stream. He's giving you like a one and a half minute recap of how the Monsters, Inc. movie kind of ended. Used to be streaming technology to get to the stream for the stairs. Um, and how it kind of converted into the laugh floor and how laughs are more powerful than streams. Solid intro if you've never seen the movie, I guess. The next part is Roz comes on. I know Bob's personal favorite. Kind of reminds me yeah, of Yeah, it's really the only way. part of this that I agree with. <laughs> um, and um, she she pretty much just makes fun of Mike the entire time and puts a montage of clips on the screen of him just screwing things up. Um, quite humorous. And then there's a weird kind of, um, I get it, but it kind of almost doesn't fit in, and I feel like, where the CDA comes on. And it's almost like a like a commercial infomercial for the CDA, which you know used to be the, the child detection agency, has now switched over to the comedy detection agency. Uh, I get it, but I don't know. I feel like they just wanted to add another 60 seconds to the video, so they threw it in. But um, overall, I, I think it sets the stage for, for what you're doing. I think the interactivity of it's telling you that in the, in the pre-show story is, you know, it was it was tossed, costly for the monsters to go out to the real world to scare or make people laugh. So they decided to bring humans to the monster world to make them laugh. So that's what you're doing. You're actually entering the monster world to laugh to help power Monstropolis. So I think that's actually a, a really cool concept, um, really cool theme in, and, and it tells the story. And the enjoyability, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, if, you, if you walked out of that show not laughing, you're a grumpy old man. That's all I got to say. Or girl, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Bob, I mean, what's, what, I mean, what do you think? I don't. I don't think. I mean, ultimately... It's very enjoyable and it does a nice job with the story. It really does. It, it's it's one of those because of the attraction that follows it. It doesn't really get a lot of love, but of all the ones on here, this, this might honestly be the most entertaining of the pre-shows that you get. I mean, depending in terms of uh, I don't want to say entertaining because it's it's so relative, but in terms of entertainment and kind of just laughing and feeling good. This might be the best pre-show uh, video they've ever done. Uh, it, it's a, it, If not for maybe one other on this list, it might be the best. But this is certainly close to that. And I will tell you that I, I was hesitant at first when we put the list together. But, but Andrew kind of uh, <laughs> brought me around on it, I will say. Because it is it is it, the stuff with Roz is is just priceless. That's mm-hmm. my personal favorite part of it is Roz harassing Mike Wazowski is just the greatest thing in the world. So, Tim, yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything you guys said. Um, I think it's funny. I think it's enjoyable. But the, the problem is the attraction is, in my opinion, kind of lackluster. So, oh, Tim, you're fired. Price. I mean, it's. An, uh, I don't want to talk about the attraction tonight, Jordana. What do you What do you got? I love this. I love the pre-show. I wish it was actually higher. I think six is too low. Um, oh, you're out of your mind with the five in front of it, though. I know. I, think I know. Exactly where it needs to be. But I. I don't know. No, I. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I just I really do. I like the pre-show and I do lo- love the ride or the attraction. And um, Roz is also one of my favorites. So, uh, Bub, we're agreeing a lot today. But <laughs> um, yeah, I just I think happens. like <laughs> she definitely she makes the show. 
but uh, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, so that's MILF for you. Um, MILF. Great pre-show. But let's move on to one of the most iconic pre-shows on the planet. Jordana, tell us about it. So this one's definitely too low. Uh, number five, Haunted Mansion. Um, I don't know how it got to number five, but uh, um, so for for this, the ghost host brings you into the stretching room, and there's um, the three paintings on the wall that reveal more as the room stretches of the paintings. Um, and the ghost host is, is saying, welcome foolish mortals. Um, and even the um, cast members kind of saying, make sure to fill in all the dead space, dead air. Um, and with this, they, they're telling you, there's no way out. You have to go through the haunted mansion now. Um, the theming is absolutely incredible. Once you're in that room, you're stuck. You have to go through the ride. Um, it's so it's definitely like part of the attraction and um, overall enjoyability. I th- I mean, does it scare children sometimes? But <laughs> I especially for the that. 100%. yes, but. I mean, other than that, it's it's a classic. So it's one of those that you always have to go on. You always have to fast pass. And you look forward to the pre-show, mostly. Um, guys, what do you think? I don't I, think I've ever fast pass Haunted Mansion in my life. I, what? I have, I have nope. not either. Never have. <sighs> fast. That's like one of mine every time. What? I mean, I ride it every time, but well, it's just so Yeah, so I mean, easy. I go on it every time. I, I don't... It, it, what do you wait? How long do you wait? First of all, it's never a long wait. And second oh. of all, the new line queue is amazing. I don't even mind yeah, waiting. Yeah, the new it. line queue is awesome. Oh, it's so all I like will crap. challenge that it's never a long... I'll challenge it's never a long wait. I I've never waited that. more than an hour. I can't wait to screenshot what the wait time is tomorrow. You just gotta and hit it right. It's one of those rides you can hit right and... and Get on in you know fifteen twenty yeah. minutes maybe a half hour if you hit right. There yes. are there are ways and for seasoned veterans, I I don't I've never used the fast pass for haunted mansion in my life ever. There are just too many other attractions you have to use it for at Magic Kingdom. This isn't a fast pass episode. I will tell you what happened here is I don't know why, but we were all really hard on the story development aspect of this of this pre show and. I, 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 I don't know if we were fair or not in that regard, um, but I don't know that it advances the story. It, it tells a very solid, contained story in that room. I don't know that it really develops the attraction, and I think Thank that's you, where Bob. we kind of Thank you. And, and, I, and I and I think that's where we kind of lost. Or it lost points, and fair or not, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to really sit down and watch the video to see if that's a true statement or not. But I know how we voted, and and that certainly was the issue because theming and enjoyability, it's almost second to none. It's it's a really well done room, but again, that room itself is almost a separate attraction from the actual ride that you go on, and I think that's where we lost it. But again, it, I have nothing bad to say. In, in literal sense, about the, the pre-show. I think it's fantastic. I, well, I but I think... Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's I, it. 
I mean, I could agree 100% more with you. It, I, I don't want people to think that it's not an amazing entity in its own because it is. But when you look at these other amazing pre-shows and the story they tell and, and how it drives into the attraction, <laughs> I, I I wish there was more of an in-depth, deeper story than, than there is. And, and, and it's okay that there's not. But when we're ranking pre-shows, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to play a factor. It doesn't take Correct. away from and the I attraction. Think, no. I think what you'll see with the four that are ahead of it too, it's not like it's it's not like it's Dumbo, which has <laughs> its incredible little play area, or or you know the Barnstormer. Like there are four legitimate pre-shows that are probably do a more consistent job of developing all three things we voted on. I think is the biggest thing. And again, it's four people's opinions, and I will tell you these scores for story were legitimately all within a point of each other. We were, I mean, it, it's not like one of us was like, oh, it's, it's a zero. We all had it about nine or ten, which is, is what happened there. And, that, and that's where it lost its points, and that's why it is where it is. But I think number five, if this was a straight theming pre-show, I, I, this might be the best. But mm-hmm. if, if not for one other one, to be honest. But uh, for me, t- Tim, anything for you that really sticks out? I, I know... You're a big mansion guy, um, and again, you don't fast pass it, and neither do I, and neither does Andrew. Jordana, I don't know. You, you can fast pass whatever you want. It's none of my business. But well, where do you stand on the Haunted Mansion, and, and I mean, how do you think it ended up here? I think if you asked random Disney fans on the street uh, what their favorite mm-hmm. pre-show is, a lot of people would say Haunted Mansion. I think it's because Correct. we applied this almost scientific criteria to it, and it doesn't <laughs> advance the story, as it said. That's why it kind of fell more middle of the pack, but middle of the pack in our top 10. Um, only Correct. thing that hasn't been said is how awesome are the stretching paintings? Uh, I, I know I have a, a print of a, a painting of those paintings in my living room. Like <laughs> the paintings are awesome. And they honestly do a lot to advance the story contained in the haunted mansion more so than anything else in that pre-show that the story about the bride Correct. and how she kills her husband. Yep. Cause those are, the first three husbands and and how they met their demise and it's revealed as those paintings stretch. But how many people can can put all that together? The average Disney goer, I guarantee that ninety percent of the Disney visitors don't know that story. Right, and that's another day for another time, right? But uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the 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 story of the haunted mansion is almost an Easter egg for. Like super yep. fans, and, and we'll talk about that sometime. But if if they somehow have brought that story into that pre-show, I think that just escalated it big time. For sure. But all right, um, I mean that great conversation, and and I think we already in the future will talk about that story sometime. So stay tuned for a future episode on that. But um, let's move on over to number four. All right, number four, Star Tours. Uh, this is a. <laughs> Another pre-show that is, you know, just on a TV while you're waiting to get into the ride, but definitely an all-timer. Uh, it, it starts out with the exterior view of the Star Speeder 3000, and uh, it shows the uh, pit droids, episode one favorites, getting the Star 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 Speeder ready, and uh, then we see the the designated pilot droid has to uh, get out after having a, a conversation with 3PO to check something on the outside. And in the meantime, uh, some checks get done, and all of a sudden it gets put into launch mode, and 3PO uh, is in the driver's seat, unknown to him that that's what's going on. 
And then we cut to uh, airport or not airport, not airplane style uh, safety briefing with the Starspeeder full of mm-hmm. uh, aliens and humans from the Star Wars universe. And there's some really good sight gags where it gives you the safety information similar to uh, Mission Space with, you know, no flash photography and a little kid flashes the uh, his camera in the face of a, a Mon Calamari. And uh, I don't think it's in it anymore, but there's something about no smoking on the ride. And there's, you know, a, a, an alien with a mask with like vapors coming out of it. Um, shows the seatbelt stuff. And uh, then it switches to a, another droid that's similar to the pilot droid that gives the safety briefing real quick in uh, definitely Spanish and maybe French. And uh, then you see the uh, star speeder get risen up to uh, the load platform and uh, with 3PO still in it, uh, ready to uh, be your unwitting pilot for your star tour. Yeah, I, I, I think I we're mean, done here. I think we're done here. He covered it, and I, I have nothing else did. to add. It's I brilliant in every way, and the story development is the reason it is where it is. It's it's just, it's so well done. It's it's so so well done. It's one of those I almost feel that it's it's a hidden gem, if you will, because I feel like people don't pay attention to this because it's it's very nondescript. You're just in kind of like the air. You're kind of in the hangar set up and you're watching the monitor in front of your door to go in. It, it's, it's so well done. I, I, I think my well favorite part done, alone that is, was, yeah. I mean, just seeing the star Wars characters in, in the, in the attraction that now you are going into, like, like I think, you know, Shabaka sitting in that seat that you might be sitting in, in a minute. Like, I think that part of it is the reality of like putting you immersively into the ride. So I agree. Well said. Jordana, anything? No, I and I was gonna actually mention like the whole characters in your seats and um I used to like look around and like when I was a kid like I would look around and be like where are they like are they on the ride with us um yeah. but yeah that's just my quick side note I guess all right yeah well done N- number three <laughs> number three is no other than the rock and roller coaster star and Aerosmith um. So, I mean, this this attraction starts right outside of the, of the original doors where G Force Records. You're in Studio C, and but what is it? They kind of have like the radio announcements that are going on to the speakers as you're waiting to enter the actual like recording booth. Yeah. So when you're in the studio and you're kind of just milling about, they have the rock and roll posters of different G Force Records uh, artists on the wall, and you hear announcements of certain people are in Studio B and pick up the phone mm-hmm. here. There's a lot uh, atmospheric or, or thematically going on as soon as you enter the studio, whether it's in the single rider line or the fast pass mm-hmm. line or the standby line. You get the same experience. It, it's but I mean, I, this is this is a borderline perfect pre-show. 
And, and I think that right there, when you're standing outside of the actual pre-show, um, and I hate to even say it, but they, they do a similar thing on the Jungle Cruise. They they play these clips mm-hmm. and music. You don't even realize yep. what you're listening to, because at this point, you're excited, to, and you just want the doors to open, yep. and you're excited. So it's like you're listening to those things, you, and you're talking to your buddy or your your, your significant other or whoever next to you, and you have that stuff going in the background. It's literally setting the stage for the next part, and you don't even realize it. So anyways mm-hmm. – when those yeah. when those when those studio doors open and you walk in, this isn't like a typical <laughs> other pre-show where two things happen, right? The first thing that is different is you don't just enter a room and wait for something to happen, right? We talked about dinosaur. You enter the room and everyone, yep, pile in, pile in. The screen is kind of like a screensaver, and then all right, everyone, lights dim. The show is starting. Let's go. No, this one you're walking into a studio where. Um, it's not just a TV screen like these other ones. It's a. It's almost like you're on the set or you're actually in a live studio. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you're you're entering an area where there the the I'm gonna just say cast members, but obviously it's not really right. Are already talking. They're already planning out their um, you know, they worked on their vocals. They're 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 planning their trip to the to go to their tour. Um. And again, you have Steve, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry there, and all of a sudden it's like you're interrupting them, right? It's not someone push, hey, cast member in the back, push play on it. You're interrupting them. You know, you get the famous, how do you people? You know, and, and that's where it starts. And it's interactive with the guests. They're looking out at you. You're looking at them. Um, and it creates that whole kind of conversation back and forth more than just watching a video, right? Um, it's that interactiveness there, and you do feel immersed. I'm going to say that because these last few rides, you are feeling immersed into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the story goes, right? They're, they're about to go um, get in their limos to go to a show. And, uh, of course, Steven Tyler doesn't want to leave all of his fans behind. So he asks um, some, some backstage passes from his manager. He said, give them to all the guests. And, of course, order a super stretch long limo so everyone can get there. So, again, right away – you are entering into this immersive world and you are t- told a simple yet so effective story of getting these passes and you need to rush to the concert because you're running late and you're in a limo. And then as soon as those doors open and you see that, you know, I know it's not really pre-show, but you you hear the cars in the background starting and you hear like the, the alleyway. It's just it's set in the stage. If there's not a more exciting moment on Disney property then I, I don't really know what is, to be honest. Um, I've yeah. been on this ride hundreds of times, and it never gets old. Uh, Tim? Okay, I think we're done here again. You guys are killing this tonight. I, I don't know what else we can add to that. I mean, there's it's brilliant. When you get into the discount, discount the, the waiting uh, outside of Studio C before you get in, to where that that recording studio is that Andrew just described. Just when you're in the recording studio, Aerosmith is there, their manager is there, their techs are there. It's, I good lord, perfect in every way. No complaints here. It's uh, to the forum, to the forum, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a pre-show on property that advances the story of the ride better than Rock and Roller Coaster. No. No. No, I agree. No, I don't. I don't think so either. There, I mean, I think we we might have rated one story higher, which I questioned today with Andrew. But ultimately, yep. uh, Rock and Roller Coasters as good as it gets. Agreed. It really is. That pre-show is money. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, Bob and I have quoted that attraction pre-show for years. Probably the only one. But um, let's move on to our number two, which received a perfect score in Themen. So, Jordana, mm-hmm. what do we got? So this was the Tower of Terror. And this one was very, very close to number three. I don't know if you guys guys noticed it was only a point off. But um, this one did get a, a perfect score for uh, theming. Um, and this is the um, short clip in the beginning uh, explaining the Twilight Zone, which it's like you're you're only watching the video, but like even the room you're in, it's just you're in this like creepy library uh, lounge kind of area. Uh, there's cobwebs everywhere. Like it's it seems like dingy and you know like it definitely seems haunted kind of. Um, but it's it's supposed to be the Hollywood Tower Hotel in Hollywood, California, and it gives the writers a fictional backstory in which people have been mysteriously disappearing um, from the elevator under the influence of some supernatural elements. Many previous um, many years previously. So, um, this is, you know, it's, it's setting you up for that thrill that you might disappear as well. Um, and just kind of be careful. But I think that overall the theming with the video is, and going into the ride and then just the whole, I don't know, cue, everything is amazing. What do you guys think? Well, Bob, I'm going to hand this over to you, because I know this, again, is one of your favorite pre-shows and attractions. I mean, I'm going to level with you. For me, theming-wise, please, it's not even close, and and this is the only perfect score that we gave, so we all agree on that. I will tell you this to me, and I'm, I'm a sucker for the Twilight Zone series in general, so I will tell you that walking into that library is a treasure trove of setting the stage for the Twilight Zone. And that's, I think, the biggest issue I have with story and enjoyability. Yeah, the video does a decent job of explaining what happened on Halloween night in, in 1939 or, or whenever it was that Hollywood's golden age. I don't think it was 1939, 1937, maybe. I, I'm not sure. But I almost feel as if, despite the theming being incredible, the story advancement for me is more in tune with it. it's almost like a tribute to the series and yep. less about the ride itself I where agree. the video is about the ride but but the stuff it's if you're a fan of the twilight zone the entire queue is a treasure trove of, of things there's there's the the glasses for, for for mr Venus. there's the doll from from one of them. i think there's actually one of the gremlins uh from the shatner episode at terror at twenty thousand feet or is is off in the corner there's so many hidden treasures from the twilight zone itself that you almost forget that the attraction is about an elevator and it's a free fall. And I think that's where, that's where this didn't connect. I think story wise, um, I, I still love it. I, I think of this and, and rock and roller coaster as probably two of the best I've ever seen in terms of, uh, in terms of pre-shows. But again, if we're grading it fairly, 
uh, story-wise, I, I just don't know that it, it held up as well as Rock and Roller Coaster did, or as Number One does. Because um, again, I think it's more about the series and less about the attraction, and I think that's where uh, we we were kind of going with the grading on that. But again, great pre-show. Uh, thematically speaking, it's it's exceptional. So, Tim, any last nuggets? Uh, I think we covered really well. Uh, I'm also a big Twilight Zone fan, so I love all the Easter eggs like Bob mentioned. Uh, the mm. only thing I'll say, uh, kind of off topic, is the Tokyo version of this ride and pre-show uh, literally makes this pre-show look Bush League. It's probably <laughs> the coolest pre-show I've ever seen. Uh, if you get a chance, look it up on uh, YouTube, Disney Sea Tower of Terror pre-show. No Twilight Zone stuff, but it's got its own story that relates yep. to uh, – the, the Disney Sea Park itself, and it's really cool for show. No, yeah, that that is awesome. I mean, the only thing I want to say about this is uh, off topic as well is probably one of the it's 1939. Probably one of the biggest um, <laughs> disappointments of when the pre-show ends and you enter that boiler room to a massive amount of people. Oh yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> There's nothing. So we didn't mention else. that. So we didn't mention that. That happens to you on Rock and Roller Coaster as well. You think you're hearing in the... the and then there's, there's not as bad as Tower of Terror, but Dinosaur, you still kind of walk a little into bit. this room. Yeah. But, but, but that one's probably but again, the worst. But Tower of Terror, because it's so windy. But again, it, this isn't a queue list, but let me tell you, the, the queue list would be the top ten as well, because that queue is out of this world too, so... But and that's an excellent point though, because once you're done in these pre-shows, there's still some waiting to be done. Yeah, you'd spend it on the ride, and then. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think roller coaster. What a tease! A lot of the cues in this list are top cues in the parks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. And I, I don't think that's any coincidence. No, not at all. Not at all. But yeah, I think if we did a top cue list, I, I mean, maybe. Outside of Kilimanjaro Safari and probably Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, I don't know if those cues are stand out, but everything else on this list is exceptional in terms of cue design as well. So, with, with Journey with the Little Mermaid, maybe one day we'll up. do a top ten. Oh, Journey, for me it would. For me, <laughs> for me that and oh, yeah. probably uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train too would probably be the two cues yeah. that would I, it would be the two that add to this list, but. I digress. I've waited all night for this because I can't believe this is number one. And it's a substantial margin. Tim, take us to it. All right. Number one, uh, probably the best queue in all the parks. And uh, our choice for best pre-show, and my personal favorite pre-show, Avatar Flight of Passage. Um, this is definitely a more advanced pre-show than any of the ones that come before it on the list. Uh, it's split into two different rooms. Uh, it's over seven minutes long. Uh, I didn't look it up, but if I had to guess, I'd say the two pre-shows probably equal the length of the ride. Uh, it's kind of how they're pre-queuing you to the ride, but you, uh, after you've waited through that whole beautiful but very long queue, you uh, are shepherded into a room with 16 spots on the floor, uh, numbered spots. You stand on the spot. Um, the video comes up, and... Uh, Everybody's favorite pre-show guy, Dr. Stevens, comes up with his very unique vocal cadence full of ums and odd lilting pauses. And Mm -hmm. uh, he instructs you to move around. You see uh, almost like a 
not a pixelated version of yourself in the room. It's, it, it's almost like a wireframe. Um, or if you've ever seen mm-hmm. uh, when they do markers for motion captured, it's, it's basically that. Uh, of everybody in the room, you move around, you see yourselves moving around the screen. You're informed that uh, you guys all have uh, Pandoran uh, parasites on you. So then uh, the, the lights change color, they blink red, and you're told to move around to shake them off. And you, you watch the red parasite shake off everybody in the room. Uh, the Avatar program is explained, the background of Pandora, the events of the movie. Uh, and then you are matched with an Avatar. And then uh, the next part of the pre-show starts and you're introduced to the doctor who runs the, uh, the show there. And she explains uh, the importance of reviving the Avatar program of the Banshees, uh, Dr. Stevens interjects to uh, talk about keystone species and this is where they tie the fantasy world of Avstar back to the conservation and biology theme of uh, animal kingdom itself uh, after that you're instructed to move into the next pre-show room and find the corresponding number to the number you just stood on you're then treated to another video by the lead researcher uh, more about the biology and ecology of Pandora. Uh, and after that, you're sent into the ride room where you uh, board the, uh, the the vehicles, I guess you could call it the, the motorcycle-like thing that you are uh, put mm-hmm. onto for that uh, that ride. I mean, again, I mean, I don't even know how to comment to that. The only, the only comment I have is, I mean, that first room where yeah, when they tell you to move around and stuff, I mean, kind of fun, kind of annoying. But um, the only, the only, the only negative I could say about that room also is it's very linear, right? So there's, there's two rows of eight people, um, like two lines, and it could be hard if you're one of those bad people to fully see what's going on in the front if you're shorter and there's taller people. But um, well said, Tim. Well said, absolutely. Um, it is a great pre-show that is definitely by far most technological. I, I guess it really gets you going and the hype factor, right? I mean, it, it's, it's sinking you with a, a Banshee and um, that that's kind of the whole point of it. So it's actually gives you a meaning to what it's doing and how it relates to the, the attraction mm-hmm. as well. So um, well said. Oh, one side note, I forgot uh, a Joe Rohde, uh imaginary legend and uh, the project lead for Pandora recently gave an interview where he, said supposedly he personally instructed the actor who played uh, Dr. Stevens to uh, put all the ums in and talk with the weird vocal cadence that it was part of the the, the vibe he wanted to set up for that character in the ride, which I, I don't know how true that rings. It just seems like maybe they got a, an awkward guy to do that part. <laughs> yeah, yep. What else, you guys? Uh, what I can say for this one is like, so... With this ride, like, it's one of the newer attractions, and they obviously, with the two rooms and how the pre-show is, you know, almost or the length of the actual ride. Um, what I can say with this, for those who have not been to Galaxy's Edge, is this continues into Galaxy's Edge. Um, I think they realize that they did it right with flight of passage and they kind of want to continue that with future rides. So I think we will see this more as rides, more rides open. Um, we're going to kind of see that the pre-show is part of the attraction. Um, 
I think it just has, you know, you get more capacity at once kind of thing. Um, if you're starting, you know, pre-show to end of ride. And I think, yeah, I think this is the kind of the one that almost started it all. Yeah, I, they, that was definitely how the pre-shows for the e-tickets at Disney Sea were as well for the newer rides, were bigger productions that definitely felt like part of the ride. Yeah. Um, so this seems to be the direction Disney is going to move into, which makes sense. I mean, they kind of developed this whole pre-show idea. You don't really see it at Six Flags or a, a Bush Gardens. Right, you're just kind of in line. Yeah. Bob, Bob, you got anything? Yeah, um, I think where you're going to see this next evolution, as it were, of this type of pre-show, look no further than Guardians of the Galaxy's roller coaster, because that'll be the one that I. Th- it looks like it's going to have limited capacity in terms of how the cars are designed and how the track is set up. So I will tell you, I expect and anticipate. That, again, not having seen Rise of the Resistance yet, I will tell you that I think the next evolution in that process, if it's Rise of the Resistance now, will be Gal- will be Guardians of the Galaxy uh, when that opens up at Epcot. Because that was a giant building that they, uh, they put up, and it's a giant existing building already. To speak on Avatar Flight of Passage, I think you guys hit it on the head. I, I just think that the way the story is conveyed the theming itself, the enjoyability factor. It's the most out-of-this-world thing I've ever done, and I I am blown away every time I walk around Pandora. And and I've only fast-passed this attraction, so I've never even walked through the lab portion of, of this queue. But everything about Flight of Passage is just incredibly well done and and the pre-show despite my love for twilight zone tower of terror and rock and roller coaster starring aerosmith and even star tours and haunted mansion to a point i think we have the right attraction uh excluding star wars um with the two uh, attractions in galaxy's edge as the number one pre-show it it really it had to be flight of passage honestly just the way it's done and like tim described to you two separate rooms and it's almost an extension of the attraction where the attraction itself i think is about four and a half minutes long the physical on the banshee portion of the ride the the pre-show itself really adds an extra six to eight minutes or so so it's really instead of a four minute attraction you're getting this 10 minute uh, interactive experience and i think that's really uh the important thing and and how avatar flight of passage ended up at number one yeah the only thing i'd say bob is i know you're you got young kids but i also know that you're a q guy uh, rope drop, flight of passage sometime, or do it at the very end of the night, you know, getting that queue right when the park's closing. Because mm-hmm. the queue is unbelievable. The lab, just right. like the animatronics in it, the, some of the, the, the sleight of hand tricks they use in the lab part. So cool. It, it, it makes, and mm-hmm. then the lab is only part of the queue. The, you go through an outpost, you go through a, a, a Navi, um, like traditional temple cave thing with paintings. Uh, it, it's the coolest queue on property mm-hmm. by a mile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I'm, I'm gonna agree with you. I've never even done it, and I'm gonna agree that it is the best queue on property. So, uh, Drew, anything else to wrap us up here? No, I, I think that was a solid list. I think we had a lot of fun doing it, and like we said, that's just our opinions, and we ranked them. We ranked them on different categories. So, uh, the spreadsheet of silliness. Um, 
doesn't lie because it doesn't, and that's how it works. And we'll continue to use it. So uh, it's the best method out there. But um, that's we gonna we will continue to use the spreadsheet of silliness. <laughs> that's gonna wrap up the main topic. So uh, we have a treat in for you. We haven't had one in a while, so let's move on ahead over to the random house of mouse. Yeah, Random House of Mouse is back, and believe it or not, we are bringing back an old favorite for Random House of Mouse this week. We are bringing back Spotlight for this uh, edition. We're going to spotlight on ESPN Wide World of Sports because why not, really? Why not? Uh The ESPN Wide World of Sports is a 220-acre complex that includes eight different venues and hosts several amateur and professional sporting events every year. Despite our lack of affection for it, the facility is a world-class venue, and if you have events here, we're sure you will enjoy the many amenities, including the ESPN Wide World of Sports grill. Uh, Disney built this $100 million facility on former wetlands under the direction of then-Disney Vice President Reggie Williams. Uh, Construction started in July of 1995 and was completed for opening in March of 1997. The first event held there was a spring training baseball game between the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, The complex was built to mainly publicize Walt Disney World, um, actually to fill hotel rooms as well, specifically the nearby all-star sports, uh, music and movie resorts, and then later on Pop Century and uh, Art of Animation. Uh, It was to increase sponsorship revenue, so even then, Andrew, they were concerned about making money. If it wasn't making money, it wouldn't exist. That's right. um, And it was really to build and improve Disney World's position as a sports destination. Uh, Disney initially created a third of the events that they had hosted while bidding for other tournaments or trying to attract long-term partners, such as the Amateur Athletic Union. And, and they've been successful. If anybody will, goes, any, anyone can attest to the amount of chair competitions and peewee footballs and various, I mean, they, you name it, they do it. Soccer tournaments, uh, tennis tournaments, they do it all. Um, there are eight specific venues that we, we kind of mentioned earlier. Um, the first, Champion Stadium. This seats around 9,500, depending on the setup, and it is home to the Gulf the Gulf Coast Braves. That is a rookie level A ball affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, there is the HP Fieldhouse. It's a 5,000 seat multi-purpose arena used primarily for basketball tournaments. Uh, the Visa Center, which is a seating capacity of 1,200 uh, and over 70,000 square feet of usable space. It features six college-sized basketball courts, 12 volleyball courts, or two hockey rinks, depending on the need and the layout of the facility. So obviously it's not all of that at one time. It would just be that or that or that. So uh, the Marathon Sports Fields, which feature 12 12 fields all told, four baseball, four softball, and four multi-use, which would be ultimately most likely soccer or or even football to a point. So uh, one field has capacity for 500. Yes, another has capacity for 1,000 that is expandable to 3,000 based on the layout. Uh, This also was the host to the Walt Disney Pro 
Soccer Classic, which is a preseason tournament, and that should be coming up fairly soon because a lot of MLS clubs have started their preseason now. So uh, the Marathon Complex is also home of the NFL Pro Bowl experience every January. The game itself played over at Camping World Stadium. Uh, the Fan Fest and Skills competitions take place here at the sports complex. Uh, the tennis complex can seat between 1,000 and 8,500, which just seems an absurdly wide range, and features 10 clay courts. And, Andrew, I know me and you have experience playing on <laughs> clay. It's got to be interesting down there in the humidity uh, playing on clay. i got to think it probably, you know, clamps up a little bit and gets a little bit uh, <clears throat> moist. Uh, there is a cross-country course, which is a 7 tenth of a mile wooded trail near the track and field complex. And speaking of that track and field complex, it is designed to the International Association of Athletics Federation Standards. That's the IAAF. It features a 500-seat grandstand around a nine-lane track. Other competition venues include three shot put rings, two discus slash hammer rings, a javelin runway, two high jump areas, two long jump runways, two pole vault runways, and yes, a partridge in a pear tree. The arena is an 8,000-seat venue and was specifically designed for cheerleading and dance competitions and by all counts is a fantastic facility. Never been there myself, not one for cheerleading or dance, but ultimately I hear it is a world-class facility. And that's, I think, overall what we would like to take away from this is that uh, despite my not having a need to go to the ESPN uh, Wide World of Sports Complex, it is a world-class facility. Uh, they really didn't spare any expense. And as my co-host Andrew would like to say, this facility wouldn't be offered if it wasn't making money. And that, my friends, is a spotlight on the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex. Awesome, Bob. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Jordana and Tim, for this amazing episode of our Top 10. Uh, but that is going to wrap up this week's episode of our Top 10 Attractions pre-show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, anything like that, send us an email. Um, the Disney Guys Uncensored at gmail.com. And as always, we're going to be pretty much found on all social media, like we said, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So make sure you give us all a like, join that, or subscribe those. We can't ask you enough to please do that. And a lot more amazing content is coming at you shortly. Um, and then be sure to check out our Redbubble page if you want to buy some super cool merchandise. Uh, I just got myself a nice set of coasters. You can do the same. Um, head on over to Patreon. We're as a little as $2 a month. You can kind of just help us support the show. I'm not going to sell you on some amazing perk of what you're going to get. I'm just going to tell you, if you like us, think about giving us a little bit of money that we can put into the show. That's it. That's simple. Head over to Patreon. The, the link is in our show notes. And lastly... We are excited to talk about it. We were excited to announce it. We've been working so hard. We're super proud of it. The Disney Character of Madness is live right now. So go vote. You're going to have about a week and a half for this first round. And then we're going to tell you to go vote again and again and again because there's several rounds that we need you to vote. So remember to go do that and look for it tomorrow. If you want to vote more than once, I don't care. Have your kids vote. Have your grandma vote. Have your parents vote. Have your dog vote. Doesn't matter. Vote. Well, that's it. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening to The Disney Guys, Uncensored. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place. <laughs>